This week, we have lost too much. Our ultimate Jewish witness, Elie Wiesel, is now gone. And I cannot imagine a worse time to have lost his voice and his vision in this world. He won the Nobel Peace Prize not for just being a survivor, but for being one who continued to bear witness and bring attention to the suffering masses and genocides across the world. He was a constant reminder of the evil that can pervade our world and the need to bear witness for each one of us. Yet he bore witness to a tragedy that he himself could not even understand. And he knew that in continuing to tell his story, other people might not even listen. And if they did, they also would not understand. When asked how he survived, he said, I never ever stopped studying, even in the camps. It's probably what saved me. By the time I was 15, I had been surrounded by survivors my whole life. I grew up in the suburb right next to Skokie, Illinois. And as many of you know, who are a little bit older than some of you in this congregation, it is where the Nazis, the neo-Nazis, decided was the right place to march, a place where over a third, maybe a half, of the Jews living there were survivors of the Holocaust. I couldn't believe there were still Nazis when I was nine years old. Ben Gold was my grandparents' tailor. He was the first person I had ever seen who had a number tattooed on his arm, and I could not keep my eyes off of it. I was nine years old, and I didn't understand what it meant, but I knew he had those numbers on his arm because he was Jewish, and it was important, and it scared me. Next was Gerda Weissman Klein. A survivor and author of a book, All But My Life, her graphic memoir about her young life surviving the horrors of the camps impacted my young life more than any other book had. But I was far too young to read it. I was 10 years old in 1976 when my mom brought it home after meeting Gerda, and she showed me that Gerda had inscribed it to me in 1976, to Sydney with love, Gerda Weissman Klein. I can even see today in my little 10-year-old script that I wrote Gerda, 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 Gerda all over the spine of the book. I think I read it six times in 1976. In 2001, Ron and Barbara Kaufman, our congregants, brought her to San Francisco. And I met her in person and I invited her to speak here at Temple Emmanuel where she did. She spoke at the late Shabbat and she spoke to our 5.30 service. And I believe for about half of the 500 young adults in the congregation, she was the first survivor they had ever met. And when she came onto the Bema, she gave me her book. And she inscribed it this time to Sydney because you understand so well and care so very much with deep gratitude and love, Gerda Klein, on a memorable day in 2001. The third survivor who I met, who was close to me, was Elie Wiesel. As a young teenager, I had the honor to study with him in a very small group. And as he spoke about the interpretation of the Exodus story and why he wanted to write a foreword to the Haggadah, I was mesmerized sitting next to him by the lines in his face, by his accent. And when he looked at me, I had to look away because he made me think of suffering. Survivors. Now he's gone, and the rest of those who survived and witnessed are leaving us to tell their stories leaving us, the ones who have visited the camps, 
who have touched the numbers tattooed on their arms, who have the memory imprinted on our hearts to be different kinds of witnesses to suffering. Elie Wiesel said to do it as forcefully and as gently as possible. And we will be the first generation to hold the responsibility to remember when those who witnessed and survived are no longer among us. Elie Wiesel reminded us that the Holocaust is the most documented tragedy in world history between Schindler's List, Steven Spielberg's Shoah Foundation, which created 52,000 testimonies of Holocaust survivors, Elie Wiesel's book, Night, Dawn, and Day, which sold perhaps almost 10 million copies. And of course, we know now that many Holocaust, many Holocaust deniers have risen up in the new alt-right. Especially with the death of Elie Wiesel, we have to be very, very vigilant about them. Less than a month ago on June 13th, the day after the Orlando massacre at the Pulse nightclub, Rabbi Rodich and I attended the rally in the Castro, which drew thousands of queer and Latino community members and leaders and allies to protest and to serve as witnesses to the tragedy. And then the next morning, we all woke up, and for so many people, life just went on as it does. How are you? I was asked. Okay, I said. How are you? Okay. How are you? Okay. I was asked it just as if it was a normal day, and I wasn't okay. But the first time that I told somebody, when they asked, how are you, a congregant stopped me, and I said, I'm not okay. I'm really not okay. And she said, very concerned, why? What's going on? And I said, Orlando. Orlando's going on. And she said, oh, phew, I thought it was something about you. The first person to reach out to me and say they were reaching out as an ally to tell me how sorry they were, to say they had no idea what it was like because they were not gay or lesbian. But they wanted me to know that it was not okay and that meant I probably was not okay. And that what had happened in a gay dance club in Orlando must have hit me very hard, and it had. Of course, I had spent plenty of time socializing and dancing in clubs, clubs that were, of course, safe spaces for my gay community here in San Francisco. And of course, it broke my heart in a different way than for people who are not gay. And of course, it meant the world to me when he reached out and told me he knew that what happened in Orlando meant that I wasn't okay. Both of my son's best friends are beautiful, African-American, young Jewish men. And last night as I sat down to write this, I thought I better write their moms a letter first. I wrote, I cannot know how you feel, but I know that I feel sick and sad and angry. As I watch our boys grow into men, I feel so much hope and so much despair. So much love and so much hate in this world right now. It's almost hard to contain. As a mother, I do not know what it feels like to watch Eli or Gabe or Mateo walk into a world where they're literally targets in their own neighborhoods. I cannot imagine in this day and age what it would be like to wonder if they were going to make it home alive because of the color of their skin. I can only say that I am so, so sorry. For one, until now, I have not really truly seen with my own eyes. I've chosen to believe it would get better. I would keep working at it. But it's only getting worse. Know that I am an ally, whatever that means. That I'm here and I see. And then I quoted 
The great civil rights organizer Ella Baker, who in 1964 said, until the killing of black men, black mother's sons, becomes as important to the rest of the country as the killing of white mother's sons, we who believe in freedom cannot rest. And so at this moment in history, we bear witness and we will not be able to pretend to our children and our grandchildren that we did not see, that we did not know what was happening all this time to the African-American community. That we heard of, but we did not participate in the Black Lives Matter campaign. That we sat idly by. We said the Shema tonight, the watchword of our faith. There is seeing and there is seeing. And I think that witness, the word witness means to see and to have whatever that is that is there in front of you truly penetrate you so that you're moved to do something. So I'm going to ask you to do something tonight that might be uncomfortable. When you see somebody in our congregation, when you see somebody in the street, when you see them on BART in the store, who are, who are African American, whether you know them or not, tell them you're sorry. Tell them you know what's been going on all around us has been going on for a long time and that we see it. Everyone has suffered something in this world, and when it's seen and acknowledged, it becomes real to them and to the person who sees it in a different way. I'm going to make you practice it right now. There's people around you who you know, and there's people around you who you don't know yet. So I want you to just turn to somebody you don't know to tell them you're sorry for whatever suffering they've suffered. You can say to them, I know I'm not the cause, but I know there's some suffering. I'm sorry. Each of us has the power of memory. We're supposed to shamor and zahor Shabbat, guard it and remember it. And our holy ancient Jewish tradition implores us to be justice seekers. It condemns those who feel that they can be innocent bystanders to any tragedy and gives us a language to use when we feel like we need to speak out. Some of us pray, some cry, some shout, some sing, and some remember. So tonight on this Arab Shabbat, on Kabbalah Shabbat, I encourage you to turn off the news, shut down your Facebook feed, and tune into yourself on this Shabbat. It's not enough to just say you feel badly about what's going on and say a prayer. So I actually want to give you a few things to do as you muster up the courage to be a real aid, to be a real witness to what's going on all around us. First one is read one of Gerda Weissman Klein's books, read one of Elie Wiesel books, read Ta-Nehisi Coates' book, Between the World and Me, or Brian Stevenson's book, Just Mercy, or today's op-ed by Michael Eric Dyson, Death in Black and White, in the New York Times. Reach out to somebody this weekend in the African-American community, somebody you know in this country who you haven't spoken to in a while, or you did, but you forgot to tell them that you know what's going on and you see it and it's not okay. And I invite you to come to the rally, Faith Communities United for Justice and Peace, this Sunday, July 10th, at San Francisco City Hall. Organizers are faith leaders from all over San Francisco, all over the Bay Area, and so we encourage you to come to City Hall at 2 o'clock this Sunday. And I end tonight with a beautiful poem by Yehuda Amichai called Half the People in the World. Half the people in the world love the other half, Half the people hate the other half. Must I, because of this half and that half, go wandering and changing ceaselessly like rain in its cycle? 
Must I sleep among rocks and grow rugged like the trunks of olive trees and hear the moon barking at me and camouflage my love with worries and sprout like frightened grass between the railroad tracks and live underground like a mole and remain with roots and not with branches and not feel my cheek against the cheek of angels and love in the first cave and marry my wife beneath a canopy of beams that support the earth and act out my death always till the last breath and the last words and without ever understanding and put flagpoles on top of my house and a bomb shelter underneath and go out on roads made only for returning and go through all the appalling stations, cat, stick, fire, water, butcher, between the kid and the angel of death. Half the people love, half the people hate. And where is the place between such well-matched halves? And through what crack will I see the white housing projects of my dreams and the barefoot runners of the sands, or at least the waving kerchief of a girl beside the ancient hill? Shabbat shalom. We rise for the Elenu on page 292.